Chapter 7 of The Laughing Bear and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Laughing Bear and Other Stories by Robert Bloomer Hare Bell. Chapter 7 The Brown Friar. A long time ago, where Milwaukee now stands on the shore of Lake Michigan, stood a great forest the first settlers were afraid of it for many strange animals were said to inhabit the place wolves howled dismally every evening at the setting of the sun some said that the woods were frequented by goblins one evening a peddler appeared in the little colony he was given a good dinner and was much pleased when he was invited to stay all night at the home of charles and betty townsend it was quite an event in the lives of the children to have a stranger present they were all curiosity when the evening meal was over and begged him to tell them about himself very well said the jolly merchant tramp i shall tell you a story that occurred in these very woods oh oh cried the children the man blew his nose in a red handkerchief and continued his yarn ten years ago i was making my way home in a canoe from canada i came by way of sault st marie and then along the banks of this lake i had been to the canadian side with my goods and sold much to the indians and made money and i was coming home with a bag of money and my light canoe and a merry heart one evening i took my gun and strolled a short way inland to shoot a few wild fowl for my supper i soon succeeded in shooting a pair of partridge for the woods abounded at that time with much game and was about to return when i met face to face a curious bird which resembled a common crow except that it was white and with a black top knot i raised my gun to shoot so that i might have a better chance of looking at it but it flew upon a neighboring branch and will you believe me it began to talk son of a tramp it began thou wasteful peddler wouldst thou shoot an innocent bird to suit thy idle curiosity shame shame the creature stretched its beak and laughed in my face nodding its top knot in mock defiance i stood motionless in sheer fright but when the bird jeered at me again i seized my gun saying balaam's ass i shall teach you respect for your superiors dare you that perch every night upon the stump of a tree address a decent son of adam in terms of scorn i shall fill you with shot pluck your feathers out tear your tongue from your mouth and throw you to the wolverines i raised my gun to fire when the monster bird spoke again shoot if thou darest fool i have beaten thee in thine argument because thou art big as a moose strong as goliath thou thinkest to put an end to my arguments by destroying my mortal body thou art no man thou art a coward as all argumentative humans are go home and learn thy a b c's teach thy grandmother tell her that a peewee crow has beaten thee in a debate well of all things thought i lowering my gun and eyeing the impudent thing who are you i asked speak if not i shall scatter your brain to the four winds but the bird merely grinned turning his head from side to side tauntingly bang i fired and the report was terrific for a while i could not see anything on account of the smoke but when the smoke had cleared away i saw beneath the place where the insolent bird had been a monk he was holding the bleeding bird in his arms where had he come from 
i began to have cold chills down my back and worse remorse crept into my soul i turned to flee but my boots stuck fast to the earth the monk spoke bluntly but also very tenderly sir he said thou hast wronged thyself thinkest thou this poor bird whose only fault was to be in thy angry inhuman path has died for naught no my son thou shalt the king of crows and every drop of his blood and every feather also must be sacredly gathered by thee and brought to me before twelve hours have passed away he held to my view the bleating bird but protested i how can i gather blood that has already disappeared into the soil can his feathers be gathered from where i do not know the monk shook his head sadly son it must be done it must be done in a moment he was gone i turned to run away but i could not move my feet then thought i it is indeed true that night the shadows themselves became moving crows and every noise appeared to be the voice of the dead bird i shook with fear the woods grew black as ink the fireflies floated about and all nature laughed at me suddenly i heard the deep baying of wolves i seized my gun and stood up nearer and nearer they came oh i exclaimed am i to perish by their teeth soon i could see the gleam of yellow-red eyes glaring at me in the darkness i aimed at the first one that came near me and fired there was a wild cry and then the cracking of bones for the others at once fell to devouring the wolf i had shot breathlessly i reloaded my double-barreled gun in less time than i can tell it the dead wolf was gone then there was a rush for me i fired again with the same result half an hour passed and my ammunition gave out seizing the muzzle of my gun i determined to fight to the end when the wolves leaped at me i sprang back my feet were free with the butt-end of the gun i beat them off running backward all the time suddenly my back struck against a tree and in a moment i sprang for it a wolf seized me by the leg my trousers ripped but i scrambled up the tree oh exclaimed charlie what about the monk and the crow i knew answered the peddler that someone would ask that question well to be brief i sat on the limb all night on the very limb on which the crow had been sitting the wolves all the while were prowling about and sniffing in the air to make sure i was there not a bit of sleep did i get that night and when the morning came i was thankful for one by one the wolves slunk off and i was left alone when all was still again and all things looked safe my thoughts turned to the monk's threat so i got down off my perch and crept upon my knees searching for traces of the blood and feathers of the crow i succeeded in obtaining five little feathers and these i pocketed with great care i gathered up twigs that had any stain of blood upon them and i stored them away also then i made search under the leaves and dirt for signs of spilt blood the leaves i gathered up and the ground i sifted for particles of precious fluid while i was thus engaged i heard a voice and looked up it was the voice of the monk saying hast thou accomplished all thy task i trembled and made no reply thou hast tried i see but hast not succeeded in gathering all but give me what thou hast he said i heaped upon the ground all that i had gathered just as if it had been precious gold there are still five drops of blood and one feather missing said the monk slowly 
and a tear ran down his cheek oh monk i cried help me i shall find them for you no no my son i shall give some of my own to my great astonishment he cut his arm and let five tiny little drops of blood trickle down upon the pile of earth then he lifted his hands to his head as if to extract a hair recognizing what he was about to do i i pulled a bunch of hair out of my own head and threw it down the monk smiled putting his hand beneath his cape he drew out the white crow he placed the crow upon the pile and clapped his hands in a second the crow yes the same crow hopped up and sat on the monk's shoulder children i was so pleased to see that crow that i cried and begged to be allowed to go with the monk but he waved me off and walked away oh peddler exclaimed betty did that really happen in these woods the peddler nodded yes children it really happened and the experience changed my whole life it is very strange but whenever i tell this story someone soon afterward learns for himself that it is true the children opened their eyes in astonishment but their father laughed at them and mamma said it was time to go to bed very reluctantly did the youngsters rise and scamper off to rest the peddler also went to bed when the peddler had gone charles and betty thought a great deal about what he had told them it was charles who suggested betty let us go and search for the monk oh oh exclaimed betty opening wide her large blue eyes do you really mean it but suppose the monk should see us well and if he did we have not shot his birds so betty stared open-eyed while charlie outlined his plans they were to steal away that afternoon taking with them their favorite dog don as soon as dinner was over charlie and betty attended by don struck off into the woods with light hearts they took the old familiar path over which they had many a time before played hide-and-seek however it soon vanished into a new and unknown winding trail they were delighted to find a road so easily travelled in the part of the wood though they did not know it the path was really a deer's runway for at least two long hours the children wandered whither they did not know at times they would stand and shout just to see the squirrels scramble and talk back at them and even don would stretch out his neck and howl in unison occasionally a wild bird scurried away don always gave pursuit suddenly don cocked up his short ears and whined the children looked and saw a few yards away a little vine-covered hut oh exclaimed betty clapping her hands isn't it fun don seeing betty clap her hands and beholding charlie's face so eagerly looking in the direction of the hut thought something strange was going on and he lifted up his great head and barked the woods rang with his voice and charlie silenced him they could hear the clatter of geese and the quack quack of ducks but not a sign of a human being could be seen let us go closer whispered charlie growing bolder betty nodded and slowly they crept holding on to don's collar until they entered a most beautiful yard in the centre was a large pond filled with wild geese ducks and all sorts of fowl nothing seemed to be afraid the house was one mass of trellis work ivy green the door was open and the children growing still bolder entered they found a table spread with flowers and fruits and other things to eat don without waiting for ceremony sniffed at a piece of bacon and promptly devoured it he looked around at the children licking his chops and grinning they were also tempted to partake 
but the stillness made them afraid when they were looking at the pretty things within they heard a step at the door they turned and saw walking toward them a great turkey gobbler almost as big as a man gobble gobble said the turkey don bristled up his hairs and growled gobble gobble again began the turkey charlie summoning courage spoke up well mr turkey we are not doing any harm and we will go away if you make room for us but the turkey only drew closer gobble gobble mr turkey began betty feeling afraid for he looked as if he were going to peck them we have come to see the monk the turkey shook his head from side to side and again said gobble gobble there was no doubt about his intentions he meant harm his face was scarlet and there lurked an angry fire in his eyes he filled the entrance completely the gobbler's face swelled bigger and became redder his long string nose shot out stiff and straight he cleared his throat and yelled gobble 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 oh it was the turkey's challenge to fight charlie rushed forward to protect betty but the creature caught him with his great foot and hurled him back don sprang to the rescue but almost at once fell back with a great howl and began to wipe his eyes with his paw the children were grief-stricken when they saw that don had lost an eye they looked at the turkey and saw him in the act of swallowing it he seemed well pleased for he grinned and licked the sides of his mouth with his red tongue charlie rushed the second time at the gobbler and succeeded in catching him by the neck the bird gave a squawk and a desperate kick then tumbled backward and lay as if dead the boy fell exhausted on the hard floor betty ran to the door for help and was delighted to see a kindly old monk approaching he stepped over the monster turkey and entered the hut for a long time he stood and looked from girl to boy as if trying to fathom the whole affair betty could not find courage to say a word well my dear this does look serious the monk said please mr monk do not be angry we have had a terrible time yes spoke up charlie sitting up we did not mean to disturb your dwelling-place it was you we were seeking and the turkey attacked us oh exclaimed betty are you the monk that met the peddler the monk nodded and betty clapped her hands in delight but dear monk she asked why don't you chain that horrid gobbler my dear girl he is quite harmless if you are not afraid of him if you and charlie had paid no attention to him this afternoon he would have left you alone the old fellow thinks he has the right to guard the place when i am away if you are indifferent to his gobbles he believes that you must belong to the family no doubt he was afraid you were going to steal something from the table oh exclaimed charlie don did take a piece of meat but we could not prevent him yes my dears and poor don has suffered for it suddenly the whole trouble became clear they had been guilty of stealing as well as don they had desired to take something that had only been prevented by the appearance of the turkey now as they watched him strutting about the yard where he had scrambled to his feet while they were talking he did not look so fierce and strange to say they understood the meaning of gobble it was nothing more than vanity and ignorance tut nonsense come with me said the good monk and he led the children to the top of the very high hill here he showed them all the great cities of the east through a large telescope it was a very powerful glass for it could bring into view any place that the looker desired they saw their own home they saw new york and all the great cities 
why are the people trampling on each other inquired betty gold the love of gold yet it is not making them any happier you can see that now take a look at that woman betty betty looked and saw a simply dressed woman attending to her children her face beamed with pleasure they looked at another woman driving in a carriage all pampered and bedecked she had pain written on her face she was loaded down with jewels so that her fingers ached and her general appearance was distressful are all rich people unhappy asked charlie no look at the woman i shall show you now she is richer than the first one you saw they looked and saw a gentle-eyed woman busy carrying cheer into the poorer haunts of men she was a very beautiful as well as a happy woman life is not what we have children but what we are rich or poor we can be happy if we do something for one another tell us how to be happy without money said the boy the monk smiled there is but one way what is it they eagerly asked do the thing that is right whenever required and do it immediately for instance restore the lost eye to dawn but they both protested how can we for the gobbler swallowed it the monk lowered his voice why not give one of your eyes to him i will give my eye dear monk replied the boy poor don stood opposite them a sorry sight no no you will not cried betty i will give mine it must be done by both whispered the monk it was a dreadful minute are you ready inquired the monk charlie nodded his head and the good man took out a sharp knife and quickly extracted one eye the pain was hard to bear but the boy never cried and the monk did the same thing to betty both covered their faces and wept don knows his way to charlie and licked his hands charlie peered through his fingers and saw don with two whole eyes oh don he exclaimed forgetting himself and hugging the old fellow i'm so glad you have two eyes again oh charlie charlie exclaimed betty you have not lost an eye have i two eyes to their great amazement the children found that they had not lost their eyes at all but by the operation could see better than ever yes explained the good monk do what is right when you see that it is to be done never think of the pain then you will always be happy then he took the children by the hands and told them that it was time to go home they did not want to leave the kind father but he assured them that they could come again yes they came often and brought others too i'm glad we weren't afraid to give up our eyes for don said betty as they were getting ready for bed that night so am i said charlie and i'm going to remember this whenever i feel like being selfish again that one doesn't lose anything by trying to help another End of chapter 7 End of The Laughing Bear and Other Stories by Robert Bloomer Hare